Welcome to another episode of Half Hour with Astra Theatre Company. We are joined today by a very special guest. Um, he is a published writer in USA Today and the Oxford Political Review. Okay, that's across the pond, baby. Um, as a theater artist, his work has been featured off-Broadway and Edinburgh Fringe Festival. And he's also the creator and host of a little podcast called 50 States of Mind, which I can't wait to hear more about. He is the one, the only, Brian Bernstein. How's it going? Wow, it's, it's weird to hear your bio written usually, but when you do it, it feels really normal. That was yeah, really thank you. Different. I was trying to give you my announcer voice to you really get, hit all the buttons. Um, good. Thank you. How are you doing, Ryan? You know, I'm, I'm good. Uh, we're both technically in the same city right now, home for the holidays in Rockford, but we are both KC-based artists in Rockford, and that's one of my favorite things about you. We, we share these two two planes we straddle between these two places in the midwest during quarantine and yes uh, we should let the, we should let the listeners know the, the readers that um ryan and i share a very a common dear friend and and that she is my girlfriend and ryan's old old childhood friend um emily rogers they are both from rockford illinois so i occasionally find myself in rockford illinois from time to time and i gotta say i'm loving it third most miserable city in america according to forbes like five years ago but we are on the up baby most miserable yeah yeah that's a real poll yep forbes <laughs> came out with a list every year and like at one point it was detroit then us and then flint michigan got all their water poisoned so we went down to three and wow. it was really traumatizing statistic for the city but now obviously we've we've rallied together regained our pride and, I certainly uh, think so. I, I love Rockford. I think it has, I mean, it reminds me of Kansas City a little bit. It's, I mean, there's a small town Midwestern feel, but there is still like a, a little bit of an urban environment and more and more arts all the time, it seems, which is very yeah, cool. With hardworking um, people making it happen. Super, yeah. Um, so Ryan, how did you find your way into the arts at all? As I like to say, you were born and then what happened? Mm, yeah, well, I, I like to say, that I got my, my first big break uh, at the uh, Civic Center uh, in Madison, Wisconsin. That's where I, I grew up the first few years of my life. And uh, there was uh, a production of Peter Pan that was done by all the kids and everyone wanted to be Peter Pan. So I kind of did the math. I was like, if everyone wants to be Peter Pan, they're gonna have to split up the parts into different scenes, but no one wanted to be Captain Hook. I was like, if I get to play Captain Hook, I get to say words like fools and idiots, which were no-no mm, words. Um, sure. And so during the performance, I was the only one to play Captain Hook. And there were multiple um, multicast Peter Pans that kind of switched in and out, but I was the whole time. And then in the final scene where I jump off the plank, uh, the kid playing Smee, who was an eight-year-old who probably weighed about 250 pounds, uh, <laughs> fell on my head. <laughs> and I like to say that cemented uh, theater for me. You never know what's going to happen. I've had multiple injuries on stage since then. Uh, sure. I had a giant barfay sign fall on my head when I was playing Panch in 25th Annual Putnam County Spelling Bee. Uh, I had a, a stage a stage light fall very close to my head. So it's just, um, it's I was concussed into loving theater. I like sure. Theater. At yeah. a very young age. Very young. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's amazing. Um, so is this like a community production or organization that brought together the the multi-casted Peter Pan? 
Yes, that was um, the Madison Civic Center in Madison, Wisconsin. And that's where I grew up until I was about nine. And then my parents moved to Rockford, um, which wasn't initially a contrast I was very happy about because, you know, this Madison sort of has this great Civic Center. I was sort of in with the, you know, the Peter Pan crowd. <laughs> and then we came to Rockford and we had to totally rebuild from scratch, you know, my career. Yeah. Uh, I walked into and my- your toughness on stage, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, my, all my credibility was gone. But then I met Emily Rogers uh, on a carpool to a Christmas carol at New American Theater. And I just need to give a quick shout out to New American Theater because it's kind of my uh, reason for being. Uh, in Rockford, Illinois, we found this amazing um, equity playhouse called New American Theater, and they did Christmas Kill every year. They did Joseph, Round the World in 80 Days, but also some, some new edgier plays. And it was my absolute favorite thing about Rockford. Uh, it was the, the place that really made me feel like home after moving, because, you know, you move when you're, you're eight, nine years old. It's yeah. a little traumatizing. And it was just this amazing equity playhouse um, doing great work, and it was sort of my first time feeling like I belonged. So naturally, in the third most miserable city in America, um, <laughs> the recession hit and New American Theater closed mm. forever. Um, and so there was no um, like place to really gather downtown and it really hurt our, really hurt our downtown, hurt the downtown economy and orphaned people like, like me and Emily and we had to kind of go, I know, Emily so had to go was... downtown. This was a theater in which they would hire younger people to like be in the ensemble and maybe understudy roles. Is that the situation that's going on here? That's totally correct. And they would bring yeah. in actors from Chicago. Um, and when they say hire younger actors, we weren't getting paid. Yeah, of but course. I would have paid to, to be there. And well, because you're also getting out of school. I was talking about this with someone. I can't remember who it was, but there's nothing like that rush when you're like a 15 or 16 year old and you're like, excuse me, um, rehearsal, rehearsal, tech rehearsal downtown, and your theater's just like, your, your teacher's like, please leave, get out, <laughs> please leave. Um, but and yeah. That, multiple shows a week, and you're like, oh, sorry, there's a, there's a matinee performance, I need to go perform for other schools, excuse me. You have like a Starbucks and like sunglasses on, yeah. Um, I think that's a really amazing program that, I mean, sad that it didn't survive the recession, like I'm sure a lot of small businesses and theaters, but to have that, to know what your favorite like hobby and pastime was and to have get gotten the bug before you moved to Rockford and then to find that program where you're like, okay, cool. This is like a little taste of that, you know, like did that sort of cement in your mind, like that this is something that happens everywhere. Like when was there a, a flip where you decided that this is something you could study and like maybe do um, in some capacity? Cause I know you, you tend to lean more towards the writing side, but. Yeah, well, well, good question. Um, so I, sh I wrote my, my college essay about New American Theater and how sad I was when it went away and how much I wanted to be a part of making sure that theater remained a part of communities. Um, so I went to Northwestern and I said, I'm gonna study theater. And honestly, I've never felt like I was an amazing actor. I felt like I was an entertaining actor. Like I was fun to have on stage. I wasn't like gonna win an Oscar. I never, I was like, I can make people laugh or do things on stage that were funny, but I never thought that I was gonna go all the way with it. Sure. Um, so I sort of thought I'm gonna go around my people. I'm gonna study theater, be in that community. And I'm just gonna keep doing it until there's a point where it's sort of 
too much. Like it's, it costs too much to be an actor. I need to, for lack of a better word, prostitute myself out too much, or I need to cut off other sure. interests in order to be an actor. Um, so I love performing in college. You know, you do three weekend runs. It's, yeah. um, you know, I got to do Cabaret, 24th annual, 25th annual Punny County Spelling Bee, the prequel, 24th. Um, <laughs> Spring Awakening, Drowsy Chaperone, just all my favorite shows. Yeah, and I sort of was like, oh, yeah, like I did that. And that's amazing. But then, you know, the, the grind of being an actor is you need to always go into rooms and read, usually when it's new plays or when you're auditioning for like a small film or something, usually the scripts are just terrible. And it's just so hard to make it work. And that's when I started writing at Northwestern. And I just started to fall in love with the collaboration aspect as a writer. I had my first play go up when I was at Northwestern that I wasn't in. And I, I loved that collaboration. The collaboration part of theater was always what I loved. And the writing aspect was so much more fulfilling because it was there's just something less kinesthetic, more intellectual about it. And yeah, uh, yeah I just, and I still love to act, but I, after you feel the rush of seeing something you've written performed, acting just doesn't, Yeah, it became my second love. When I've been chatting to other writers, they talk about how like almost painful it is sometimes to see your work done, but it sounds like for you, that's not really the case. Um, I just think it's, I just think it's so exciting. I mean, yeah. sometimes people will watch me during rehearsal and I'll be mouthing things along <laughs> with it, which is totally unintentional, involuntary, but there's something tough about it when, yeah, I mean, there's something tough where someone's you're like, oh, I, I wish I could do that or that this sort of actor thing kicks in. You'll be like, I wish, but I've just been so lucky that the people that I've worked with on all my shows, they bring something new to the table. And I think mm. a writer is just like the architect just brings the blueprint and then actors bring new, new ideas to it. And so I always kind of view myself as the first, just the first step. And then I watch other people build on it. And the best part about a new play is you get to talk about it with people and they'll point things out and you'll throw new things in. And I think just that the collaboration aspect of it um, and the ideas and how personal it gets, there's something, there's just a different side of, of writing that I'm always honored and excited when people are taking the time to take something that I thought of in the, my little insane brain privately, <laughs> seriously into light. Yeah. It was always so flattering. I always think, I always try to use the metaphor of like, especially when you're working on a new play, I always, I always think about like, you're making, you're trying to make the best cocktail possible, right? And I always think of each layer of production, writer, actor, director, producer, you know, music director, whoever, as like a different like filter that you pour the cocktail through. And each one of those things is going to give its own like intention and specificity and refinement that the other layers can't get or can only build upon. Um, exactly. And the best yeah. thing about theater as opposed to film is you do, you make multiple versions of the same cocktail and it's always a little different. And yeah. sometimes it's like, Oh, it's a little more bitter, but I like this version. <laughs> I'm stirring this one. I'm not going to shake it. I'm going to see yeah. what happens. <laughs> Um, so how did you find your way to Oxford to study over there? And also, is there a difference in like um, theatrical culture over there that um, you noticed? Yeah, um, like everything sort of in my life, everything's sort of very last minute. Uh, 
I was working on a presidential campaign um, in 2016 that I thought was going to win and I was going to get a job in like the Department of Energy or something with all my friends that I was working on the campaign with and that that didn't go well. Um, And so I'd missed the deadline for applying to grad programs. I was just like, I I was so 100% sure I my life was going in a particular direction. So thanks, Trump. Um, (laughs) And then I found out about this program uh, that I had sort of always known about at University of Oxford. That was a a creative writing where you could kind of focus on whatever you wanted. And it had a deadline of March 15th uh, for the the late deadline. And I just kind of threw stuff together. I applied and then I was in a real funk. I'm just like, what what am I going to do really with my life? I... I just, I had a play that had gone up in New York in 2016 that I had left after uh, the play went up and someone wanted to extend it somewhere. And I, someone asked me to come work in the campaign in Florida. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go do that. Mm. You know, because my play was sort of political. You saw, yeah, you were there. It's called Dream Ticket. It was a political mm-hmm. satire. And then. Which you were excellent in, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yes. An example of, I, I wrote a little part that I was like, you know, if we don't find the right actor, I think. RB could, could, <laughs> could pull it off. I played like a, like basically a Bernie bro. Yeah, exactly. Of this play. It, was, it was fun. Um, and then I got into this program, which totally saved my life. And that summer I was, uh, I'd been commissioned by Northwestern to write a new musical for the students at the Royal Conservatory of Scotland, the master students and the undergrad students from uh, Northwestern. And we were working with these amazing uh, Scottish writers uh, called well, they're called Scott and Claire, but their production company is called Noisemaker Production. They're just amazing. And I spent the whole summer sort of traveling around Europe being like, you know, it's the last time I'm ever going to be over in Europe. And then the next thing I know, I'm like, well, I'm gonna spend the next two years in England. <laughs> and uh, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. And I mean, truly that program, everyone loves, I mean, I actually don't know if everyone loves their grad program. But the thing about that, that I loved, um, was just such an international program. There were people from probably about 12, 13 countries, mm. and everyone was writing different disciplines. So there were playwrights, there were poets, there were creative nonfiction writers, there were fiction writers. And a part of me walked in, and I was like, well, this is also unserious. <laughs> people are not, you know, people are not honing their craft enough, and, and they're encouraging you to take leaps into other disciplines. And I'm like, I am a playwright, excuse mm. me. Mm-hmm. Why would I do anything like that? But over the course of the over the course of the program, you end up seeing other people's work, finding out strengths of your own. And, um, and that's why I decided for my senior year, my senior thesis project to do some creative nonfiction because I'd written so many plays. In my first year, I wrote a play and I did it under the, the guidance. You have a one-on-one tutor relationship where they sort of help you hone your, your play. And at a certain point, I was like, you know what? I feel like I don't need... I don't need a tutor anymore. I feel like I have enough friends and collaborators in the, the theater world that I, I want to do something that I couldn't do without the training wheels on. Mm, yeah. Um, and that's, to, to go back to your question, that's one thing that I think is different in Europe as opposed to the United States is there's this real uh, fear in the United States of being a jack of all trades, master of none. You need to mm. kind of specify yourself like i am a this you gotta brand yourself it's very yeah they're not afraid of that over there and i think that is so refreshing because Mm. 
just because you do multiple things doesn't mean you need to be a professional in all those things. But if you get to the point where you are professional in all those things, or you're professional in one thing, and you want to dabble in something else, they totally encourage it. Uh, which is something that speaks so much to me because I remember I, I lived in Los Angeles when I first got out of school. Cause I was like, I like interned out there and I was like, I'll just go to LA. Yeah. I remember I went into this meeting with a casting director for general hospital. So big time stuff. Huge. <laughs> and he was asking, Oh, so what do you, what did you do at Northwestern? I was like, well, you know, I was in charge of this thing called the WAMU show, which is the largest student written musical in America. Um, and I was the co-chair of it. And so I was sort of in charge of it, but I was also mm-hmm. writing a lot of it. And I was also in it. So I was kind of producing and he's like, stop right there. It's like, I never want to hear you say that you're anything besides an actor. Mm. I was like, oh, okay. I'm just a meat puppet, I guess. Yeah. And that sort of attitude, it, it really was, got to me. And I, I just want to be like, I'll that's... show you, man. I will show yeah. you. I think that's like an idea that's really instilled in us in most like undergraduate programs, especially if you're studying something in the arts is you have to make yourself very good at one thing and one look and one type and one Mm -hmm. brand. And if you get a meeting with an agent for acting, you can really only talk about your acting because otherwise it makes you look unfocused or like messy or like they can't put you in a box. Mm -hmm. Now my mind, I'm like, okay, but the, the artists that I respect the most are people who do a lot of different kinds of things, especially in the arts, like, I don't know, like John Krasinski, like um, Donald Glover, you know, who else is like making music, directing, producing, writing, you know what I mean? Like, I, th- I think that you can learn so much from all of those different, um, different trades when you incorporate them into maybe the thing that you think you're the best at. Exactly. And on the flip side of it, I do understand there is a certain in LA, everyone's like, well, I'm a producer. And it's sort of like, really? What have you produced? Like, or like, everyone's <laughs> like, I'm an actor, writer, model, influencer. It's like, right, right. Okay. But there are, when you are able to take things seriously and you're able to do work and, and make your own opportunities to test things out and, and get knocked down and get back up, that's, that's what it's all about. It's, mm. um, that you should never discourage people from entering other, um, artistic endeavors because you know you're you're gonna make something beautiful in the long run and right. I think I just think when people think that it's easy that's the thing that that's difficult because none of it's easy acting's not easy directing's not easy writing's not easy right I've never been a model but I assume that's not easy um, <laughs> yeah no I agree another thing uh, that I hear is very different in England especially with like West End culture is uh, what my friend refers to as pub culture. Can, mm. you, can you speak to that at all? Yeah, um, you, you don't hang out, you don't meet someone for a drink, you spend six hours in a pub. That's the difference. <laughs> it's like, hey, I want to meet for a drink. You have one $16 cocktail in New York and then you're like, okay, time to go home. Mm-hmm. You go to the pub, you stay there for a certain amount of time. Um, everyone kind of is, is in charge of buying rounds for everyone else, so everything all kind of evens out. and. Uh, and really, I don't know if it's just a being in grad school thing or a pub culture thing, but that's where I feel like the best discussions of my young life up to that point had happened. Mm. Um, because they're not just generally like drunk talk. It was like drunk talk about something smart that we had talked about earlier, but now sure. we're getting more candid about it. So yeah. it does make the, um, 
just make the process, the artistic <laughs> process sort of like lubes up the gears a little bit. Sure, sure. Yeah. Um, so where do you where do you find yourself out like now in your career? Because now we should also let the readers know you've decided to move back to Kansas City. Yes, I guess I so, shouldn't say back, but back to the Midwest. Back to the Midwest. So I, long story short, for my senior thesis at Oxford, I decided to take a trip to all fifty states and sort of take the temperature of America in the. Uh, form of Alexis de Tocqueville, you know, um, Democracy in America, sort of something like that, just seeing what's up. But my interests obviously lie in the arts. And so I found myself visiting a lot of theaters, uh, Actress Theater of uh, Louisville, uh, visited a theater in Anchorage, Alaska, uh, Arena State. So I went to all these regional theaters and I was really thinking to myself, where do I want to end up and what do I care about? And I went back to that essay about NAT. I want to be in a place that being a theater maker nurtures a community. Mm. Um, that's been a cornerstone of my artistic life. I love collaborating and I've never wanted to be famous or you know win an Oscar. I The thing I love is, and the way I make friends, frankly, is collaborating with other people in a community. So in the back of my mind as I was traveling, I was like, you know what? I'm not sure I wanna go back to New York. Um, I definitely wanna go back to LA. Um, <laughs> And Chicago felt a little big. I wanted to go to a sort of a somewhat small, like Rockford, but probably a little bigger. I was also single at the time. And I was like, I can't go back to Rockford. Single. That would be too many ghosts. <laughs> the hens um, would be a disaster. Yeah. So I thought, okay, I showed up in Kansas City. It was very cinematic. It was the very last state I visited on my, on my trip. And I stayed over in Kansas City. And I was like, I don't know where I'm going to live. Uh, I probably will just go back to New York. I went to Kansas City. I knew you were from Kansas. I knew you did a lot in Kansas City. I had a friend, Emma Cad, who's from Kansas City. I'd never been there. I'd never really thought about it. Um, first thing you should know about me is I love barbecue sauce. So as soon as I arrived <laughs> there and I had the barbecue, I was like, ding, ding, check. ding, this Big is matching up. And then I spent one evening driving around there. I stood on the World War I Memorial. I found out about the amazing theater scene Mm -hmm. that I hadn't really understood existed in Kansas City. And I thought, holy crap, this is, this is exactly what I was looking for, like a movie. It made no sense for me to move there. Absolutely zero. I didn't really know anybody. Mm -hmm. I, you weren't really in Kansas City quite yet. And you were, we kind of lined up yeah. coming back at the same time. I didn't realize Emily was going to be there. So I did this thing. I just want to say the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life is moving Kansas City. Mm. It was... First of all, four months, I moved four months before the pandemic and literally no one gave a shit that I was there. It was like, I was sort of expecting, because I, I was on my trip. I was like, I was, I'm writing a book about the state of democracy. And people were like, let me bring you to this. Let me open doors for you. Let me do this. Mm -hmm. I sort of showed up there and I was just like, hey, you're not special. You're not, and I was like, I'm not special. Absolutely not. So it really, now that I've been there for a little over a year, I feel like I've started to make connections. I've started to earn, earn that I actually want to be there. And it's not just a bit that I've shown up there. Um, <laughs> I want to be a part of the artistic community. And I've gotten involved. I was cast in a play before the pandemic. I, I've gotten involved with Script Circle. I've written a lot of plays and engaged local artists. And you were in one of the, one of the readings. Mm -hmm. I, I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. To sort of start to create a community. I'm a part of... Um, a, uh, a playwright support group. So it really has been the hardest test for me where, you know, you go to schools with these big networks and in Chicago, 
huge Northwestern network. In LA, huge Northwestern network. In New York, huge Northwestern network. Not really a Northwestern network. I, I gave up all the privileges that came with going to mm. these schools. That is the reason you really do go to these schools to go to this community that I believed in. So where this, where this brings me now is I, I do think Kansas City is a place where, you know, I can be involved in plays. I can collaborate. I hopefully can, can write and put things up. But more than that, it's, um, it's also a place where I want to put into motion the, the, the things that have sort of been the cornerstone of my life of how can we develop community? How can we get new talent and new artists to come build this community? How can we make Kansas City at the forefront of new play development? And also how can we build a partnership between a sustainable economy of artists that live in Kansas City and, and nurture that community? Because so many regional theaters, they just bring in an actor for New York for a little from New York for a little bit, or they, yep. and I don't think that's right. I, yeah. I think that's, that's the type of attitudes that keep the sort of centralization of power on the coasts. That, that's why LA, New York, Chicago um, are sort of the only place actors go. But I think actors and artists make a community stronger. And if the pandemic hadn't hit, hopefully I would have been farther along with this, but I'm hoping to start a nonprofit that will suck the talent away from those big hubs and put them in regional communities, small communities, rural communities all across the country that, that need artists. Because I do think if I hadn't met those, those actors from Chicago when I was at New American Theater, I might not, might not be a theater artist. I might be a banker. Right. Which maybe would be good. I don't know. But, <laughs> so that's, no. that's really what, what my cause is. And, and especially with the history and politics, I do think that cities and states setting up their um setting up their uh tax incentives especially for for film tv and and theater is important and uh this is the kind of work that people that doesn't get done outside of california new york and illinois because that's where the artists have to go by the nature of the economy right exactly i i think there's so much to to what you're saying about artists really enhancing a community and, and, and bringing them um, new ideas and, you know, fresh ways to approach things. And I think a big thing I am trying to do also is how can I make theater, uh, how can I support artists by producing work, but how can I also make that work accessible to as many people as possible? You know, mm -hmm. how can I bring it to people who maybe don't have access to it at all or can't afford it or can't get a babysitter because theater while it is like my favorite thing in the world is also like by nature kind of difficult to access and kind of reserved for folks with resources and, and time so there's a lot of work to be done there but hopefully during the pandemic we can begin to like you know structure and reshape how we approach it and this is the work that i think our, our generation is starting to realize that it is um it is about a good night at the theater but it is also about so much more than that it's building community, starting conversations, um, and making people who traditionally haven't uh, fallen in love with the theater understand what powerful thing it is and um, getting new audiences. I totally agree. Well, I could chat with you for hours about all of this, but unfortunately it's only a half hour that we've got. So um, what's next for you? What can you plug? Where can we find you before we wrap up? Yeah, um, I guess 
my podcast, 50 States of Mind, is about my journeys around the United States and the people I talk to along the way. I get people from my Oxford grad program to talk about uh, what they're hearing from America. Cool. And uh, in the meantime, just, I guess, follow me on Instagram, R-Y Bernstein, Rye Bernstein, B-E-R-N-S-T-E-N. There's a lot and, of good uh, content on Ryan's Instagram. So that's, that's a good one to follow for sure. Thank you so much. And uh, look, look there for, for ways to, uh, to keep, keep Kansas City at the forefront of artists making change. That's right, baby. Okay, well, thank you so much, Ryan. We will talk to you soon, all right? Thanks, Taylor. Thanks, Ashley. Bye. Bye.